Between Sundays. I'm Tyler. Yes, this pod is about a man getting swallowed by a giant fish, but mostly it's about judgmentalism. Harry's here to discuss Jonah chapter two, but before the seaweed wraps itself around our heads, now that they've engorged themselves on the buffet of food for thought, (laughs) let's expand the horizons of our grace and welcome in our favorite co-host, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. (laughs) Wow, bit of a bit of a struggle there. Uh, Yeah, I capitalized grace, which... I shouldn't have done that because it made me think I wrote this wrong, but. But you know what? You kept going for it. Yeah. A lot of times you will stop the intro listener. Yeah. He, will, he will stop and start over. But this time he was committed. Yeah. He was going to stick the landing. I'll probably regret it. <laughs> uh, one bit of uh, trivia, Tyler, is that the whole buffet of food for thought was something that I didn't actually say think at about. 11. Oh, no, oh, I never said it at 11. <laughs> and I made a comment at 9, 15 realizing how ridiculous of a phrase that was and decided not to say it. Walk us through that moment again, because listen, I, my, my production team, you know, obviously we're experiencing both services every single Sunday. So we hear the nuances between nine 15 and 11, but the production team in particular really loved that line about the buffet of food (laughs) for thought. In fact, they loved it so much that I got not one, but two memes based on that, that alone, the buffet of food for thought. I, when I was writing it, I, I don't know. It just seemed right at the time I wrote it down and it seemed like, yeah, that's a good way of describing this. And that is just what we do, son. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I, I was like, you know what? I think, I think I'll use that to describe just how many things there are to take away from this. And then as nine 15, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I was like, <laughs> lost your confidence. No, it was a oh. portion of the message where I was starting to get a little bit off notes. And then I look back down and I see bolded in my notes, <laughs> a buffet of food for thought. And, oh, very nice. That's a picture yeah. of me at a buffet, at a buffet with thoughts wow. and food memes. Uh, <laughs> and in the moment I'm like weighing like, okay, I had this written down because obviously I thought it was a good line, Yeah, but in the moment after having just spoken off the cuff, <laughs> saying it will make it sound so like I'm adding an extreme level of gravity (laughs) to it. So I decided not to say it. And then I went ahead and just joked about the fact that I wasn't going to say it at nine 15 and at 11, I was like, even joking about it at this point would be so overwrought. (laughs) Oh no, we missed it, man. So I decided not to say anything about it. I didn't see either service. Oh, so, so you have just read my notes. I just read your notes <laughs> and I was included on the text from Marin's team saying, Barry thinks he can skip over this in 11 o'clock, but we need you to bring it up on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. And that's all I got. And so gotcha. I was like, oh, this <laughs> we're bringing it up. All right. This yeah. uh, must be discussed. He said, I would love to know what the golden corral of thought is like. <laughs> the golden corral of thought. Uh, Tyler, Why? Did you miss? Do you want to? Yeah, talk about- I wasn't there this past weekend. I was officiating a wedding in Illinois. How'd it go? My brother-in-law's wedding. It was great. It was great. So I've wrestled in my mind for weeks about whether or not I should include jokes. I think we even talked about <laughs> we it. Did. Yeah, we did. You were we you were workshop. Did you some. include the jokes, Tyler? Yeah. <laughs> which, I did. Which ones? And more importantly, did they land? Did people think oh, they were here's funny? what happened? So I had a couple in there. And I had to pass it through the uh, Pastors of Grace test. So I sent it to Marin. Yeah. And I was like, is this too much for a, like, am I, for it, a ceremony it, before God? Yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, too I, much? I've performed one wedding ceremony yeah, yeah. as far as so so I'm are the clearly expert. the resident expert. Marin said it was perfect. So I just went with it. <laughs> then we get to the rehearsal, mm. and it was more of a casual, like, schedule of events. It's like, what time's the re- what time's the re- uh, wedding tomorrow? It's like uh five thirty. All right. What time's the reception? Uh, I don't know seven seven thirty wow. or something like wow. it's like, it's like wow. that kind of like wow very tone. loose. And so I was asked at the rehearsal how long is this going to take? Mm. And I said uh, it could be like thirty minutes tops. And the vibe I was getting was that was not going to be long enough. Oh, I needed to go longer. Oh. <laughs> And so they're like, can you just stretch that out a little bit? <laughs> yeah. They're wow. like, people are going to be standing at the reception by themselves doing nothing. So we need to like, Oh wow. Fill this time. And so I had a couple more jokes. How did that only come up at the, the dress rehearsal? Well, that's a great question. Was like the wedding in someone's backyard or something? No, is that a church? Okay. Huh? It was like, 
not written down or something. Usually <laughs> these things are like know. planned down yeah, to the months. minute. Yeah, months no, it was like which, uh, the wedding starts at five. I think there was some confusion about whether the reception started at seven or something. And so there was like a while where people would be standing around not having much to do. And so if you didn't tell more jokes, yeah, so I, had to, stretch I had, it. had to come through, you know, be the hero and <laughs> slip in some more jokes about my brother. Now were these jokes that were like on the cutting room floor that you decided to bring back or did There's you have to like come live up in my heart? New- <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> so I mean, I've known this guy. It's my, my wife's brother. I've known him since he was like 12. Sure. And so I have a whole encyclopedia <laughs> yeah. of just really embarrassing stories with him. Perfect. And so, yeah, stuff that wasn't going to get, wasn't going to make it to prime time made it. All right. You know, stretch so, it out. Yeah. Uh, the good news is, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of like blacked out during my wedding ceremony. So I didn't, I don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. And so he'll probably never. That's what I told you. I remember to one me. thing that my minister yeah. said during my wedding ceremony. One thing. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's pretty normal. The funniest part of the wedding Let's hear it. ceremony, we did communion. Okay. That's so hilarious. That cool. is wow. <laughs> oh. cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, we did. <laughs> we did communion. And so I was like, who's in charge of the elements? And I don't even know who answered the question, but when I got to the wedding, there was a bottle of blackberry water and what? two saltines for communion. Wow. Two saltines. Yeah. And so, which is whatever. I mean, that's I mean, not how I would want to partake in my yeah, first communion. I mean, with my I wife. guess technically, essentially, fruit, it's Kool Aid, fruit of the vine, and it's like carbonated wheat. Ugh. Carbonated. Anyways, the funny part is saltines dry your mouth <laughs> yeah. out like crazy. Yeah, and so I'm sitting say. there trying to talk to them, like distribute the elements and like say, guys, okay, this is like our only private moment of the ceremony how are you guys feeling are you get you know that and they're like can i have some more of that to drink like <laughs> their mouths were completely dry anyways because they were nervous yeah and then they throw a couple saltines in there and it's just a desert in their mouth uh but it was good it was good uh the little the little things you pick up along the way now yeah. you know yeah in a situation yeah. like that if you see saltine right. communion you <laughs> next say, time yeah. you bring some nope. king's hawaiian's yeah. bread the bride was like do i have to eat this whole cracker <laughs> no You're like every a, crumb yeah, just take a bite it's not our denomination <laughs> yeah we did uh three nights in a hotel with the little boys and that was jury still out on that whether mm-hmm. that was a good decision because the hotel we stayed at, they don't like come and like take out the trash while you're there. And so we've got a kid in diapers in our room by the end of day oh. three. It was like nasty. Mm. Right. I bet you could have asked them to do that. Little ripe. Yeah. But I felt weird. I felt bad knowing what we've done to this room with like <laughs> toys and dirty diapers. Could have just taken the bag and like left it in front of someone else's door. <laughs> they would have picked yeah. that up. Yeah. All I want to know. Just dance on the bus. Oh yeah, that's right. All I want to know is, was your house clean when you got home? Oh, oh yeah. So right. Jane Gaffrin yeah. washed our house. Judy, Judy is still alive. <laughs> Judy's alive. Yes. The house is clean. His four cereal bowls were stacked nicely. <laughs> like he's there for two and a half days and he's got four cereal bowls. <laughs> Did he eat any of the other things? I think things? so. I, I don't know. It's all kind of like piled onto the table. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I texted him a couple times just being like, everything good? He's like, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. We, we told him when he house sat for us, we said, we love getting photos of our, of our babies. <laughs> like send us photos of the dogs, send us photos of the pigs, a- anything you want to do. We got like a photo, like the whole time. <laughs> We're like, Hey, is everybody okay? Like, can you send us pictures? What's going on? And it was like one like wide shot picture of all the, and I'm like, all right, forget it. Yeah, no, I did not say I love getting photos of my babies. But <laughs> I don't think you want photos of Judy while you're. <laughs> he did out send of me town. one. I got a video of Judy. Oh, yeah. He he sent me one because I said, "How's it going?" And he said something like, "We're partying" or something. <laughs> and he sent me a picture of Judy like crumpled into the couch, like as far away as possible from him <laughs> as could as could be on the couch. She's an introvert. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know, Marin. Are there any stories I need to know about? Like, did he? No. Hate it as much as I thought he would. <laughs> Where <laughs> no. did he sleep? I I have I, questions because we like 
put new sheets on the bed for uh-huh. him. And I think they're untouched. No, he slept in your bed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I at least know that part. Okay. Then he, he can make a, he can make a bed. Like a mean bed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, I don't think Jaden was even here. That's, that's my boy. That's yeah. what I want to hear. Yeah. I, I wanted to hear that your house was like immaculate when you came home. Yeah. I mean, he did have one party there and can't even tell. <laughs> that's what you told me when you were asking him to house it. Yeah. I said, uh, Cause Barry Marin would not stand for Jaden having people over to your house while you were gone. Not right. allowed. So she would come over to, to <laughs> no, be I, with. I, I, well, he asked me to come over and I said, no, yeah. just like so I'm I told starved him. for human companionships. He wanted he, to watch his favorite show, uh-huh. but he wanted to watch it with his girlfriend. Uh-huh. So he asked me if I would go to your house so that he could watch the show at your house. <laughs> like every son does with his girlfriend. Gotcha. Okay. And I said, no, you must come home to We're your house and watch the show with your girlfriend where I will be home and present. So I told him, Hey, you want it? You want people to come over your secret safe with me, buddy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, enough about me. What's new with you guys? Uh, we're watching a puppy right now. So the honey oh. cuts, the honey cuts oh, yeah. are both in separate places out of town and they have a little puppy now. Um, I don't even know how old he is. I should know that, but socks, honey cut is his name. Socks. Socks. And he's a tiny little Bernie doodle mix or something like that. Very, very cute. But, um, it is just amazing how quickly we both live and I, even with all the animals that we deal with a puppy just it's just a lot of work. It just takes it out of you. <laughs> Pooping on the dining room yeah. floor and having to let him out every like 30 seconds and all that stuff. But it is, it is really funny watching him with Cleo because Cleo is just all about the companion and he knows her favorite game, which is chase me while I carry something in my mouth. She ah. loves that game and he'll do that for a long time. Is she doing the chasing? No, she's being chased. Okay, That's yeah. what she wants to yeah. happen. And so like they're running around through the leaves. It's magical, whatever. And inevitably every, every day so far, uh, she's like, Oh, that was, that was a great play session. Okay. We're done. And he's like, like <laughs> jumps up on her uh-huh. face. And like, she gets that weary I'm feeling aggressive. <laughs> yeah. She gets that. Like, she's like lying there just like trying to fall asleep. And he's like jumping on her face. It's, it's yeah. funny. So I have to separate them anyway. It's a lot of work, but uh, it is fun having another puppy. In Are the you house. guys pro or anti letting your kids name the animal? Because mm. socks well. sounds like it came straight from a four year old. <laughs> but is it like white socks? Is it like S O X socks? I'm pretty sure it is S O C K S. Okay, like yeah. all right. On your socks. Feet. Does he have like little like mitts, like yes. paws that are different yes. colors? I'll well, then that makes total sense. It does. It does. Um, I'm I'm anti. Anti. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you have a dog named Judy. <laughs> Which is great. Oh, he's very cute. You, you oh, cute see, his little feet are different, different colors. Yeah, he's got. He's socks. got like little white oh, feet. Oh, because he's wearing socks and like black yes. fur everywhere else. So usually it's like the kids name the dog and it's a golden retriever, and so we named it Goldie. Oh yeah, yeah. that's my son. Yeah, Classic. he would he would have done that. <laughs> he would have done that. He used to collect stuffed animal cheetahs. He's going to kill me for saying this, but he had like baby cheetah, little cheeto, cheaty. Uh, like yeah. every, every single thing was related to the name of the actual animal. Yeah. He had a brown teddy bear that he named brown bear <laughs> and then another one that he named brownie. So yeah, it's, huh. it's that kind Variations of thing. Anti- that. Theme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you give them just human names yeah. <laughs> and let it, let your kids deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Human names. Judy. How did you yeah. arrive at Judy? I just thought that would be a hilarious name and turns out. It is pretty funny. It is. It's pretty funny. If you get another dog and it's a boy, you just need to name it like Kenneth or something like that. Yeah. And just I was out to lunch yesterday with uh, Ryan Mickens and his mm-hmm. wife, Brooke. And I was talking about how my son was house sitting for you and mm-hmm. your dog, Judy. Mm-hmm. And she told me her mom's name is Judy. And that just, it just got weird. <laughs> well, well, her mom should have thought of that for yeah. picking that name. It's, it is what it is. It still gets comments. But if that dog's name was like, Buster. No, no comments. It's not a, it's not yeah. a discussion yeah, point. But then you wouldn't make someone feel weird talking about how your son is like house sitting for their mom. Well, Judy, I did not make feel weird. <laughs> she made herself feel weird. <laughs> All right, guys. Marin, what's new with you? Uh, not much. Had a pretty good weekend. Yeah. Yep. You hosted. I, uh, I did. I hosted. How'd that go? <laughs> it went just fine. <laughs> she did an amazing job. Thanks, yeah, y'all. she did. She was an incredible Thanks. host. I watched the video. 
Um, well, you watched her hosting, but you didn't watch my message. No, I, watched the, I watched the whole thing. I just wasn't there for it. Uh-huh. So I don't know if people realize, but Tyler has a big role every week in that hosting moment. He uh-huh. writes the script. He uh-huh. is Mr. Announcements guy, Mr. Communications guy. So sure. I got what they this. called me in college. <laughs> I got these. Mr. Announcements guy. Mr. Very detailed notes. I think it was like two full pages of notes yeah. that I had to kind of internalize and I had to decide, am I going to be the kind of host that goes up there with a paper in my hand mm. or the kind of host that tries to like, to me, like Amy is the goat. Like she can announce literally anything. And yeah. I'm like hanging on every word that she says. Yeah. And she never has like paper notes in her hand. She's yeah. somehow able to put that all in her brain and communicate it effectively. So I wanted to Except sh- for last to time when she that. went like, okay, what else? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, She's I think amazing. There was something else wasn't. Oh, Fall Fest. Yes. Come to Fall Fest. <laughs> yeah. So I get this big old page of notes from Tyler and then I just try to synthesize that information. Yeah. yeah that's why he watches the announcements. Yep. To make sure I did them right. That's right. And because every week, every week <laughs> we sit in a meeting and it's like, all right, we went over service last weekend. What can we do to shorten the service times? It's like, well, announcements are always scheduled for four minutes. And we went over by eight. (laughs) Tyler, what are we going to do about this? And I was like, guys, that's just the way it is. We have to cut something else. Do you ever read the announcements that you write? And time them? Yeah, I could do it. Did you do that for this week? No, but (laughs) Marin got a little uh, chatty. A little chatty chatty with the script. And uh, she went over by about five minutes. So. Well, that's like so, devastating to my soul. Yeah, no, so but it was I no worth longer, it. The, the announcements were great. I will no longer take the criticism. <laughs> I'm not the one criticizing you. <laughs> I criticize you for the way you hold the microphone, yeah, not true. for the length of time yeah. it takes you to give announcements. Which, by the way, never mind. <laughs> All right. We're in Jonah chapter two. Yeah, we week. are. Uh, we finished chapter one last week and we're just going one, two, three, four, that's all right. through the month. Um, Barry, you gave the message again. So can you kind of give us the big idea of the message you preached on last weekend? Sure. Yeah. So Jonah chapter two basically is what happens in the belly of the giant fish. Jonah's been thrown into the sea as he's fleeing the calling of God and uh, God rescues him from death in the belly of this fish, brings him back to shore. And so chapter two is what happens in the belly. And uh, according to the author of Jonah, Jonah then prays what is a Psalm of Thanksgiving. That is the, the genre of what he prays inside this, uh, this fish. And the Psalm of Thanksgiving is, it's all, and it's it's beautiful. It's well-written. It's a very, um, very truthful sentiment of what he is reflecting on what God has done for him, saving him from the jaws of death, et cetera. Uh, but my sort of observation, the sort of the angle that I took on it is, Yes, it's all true, but the author having these words come out of the mouth of Jonah uh, brings up some interesting juxtapositions. And I talked about those. And what you see is essentially uh, Jonah is is still throughout the whole book. He's still kind of a the anti-hero. Like even yeah. though these are true words, um, he's still in light of the, the, his actions, in light of his other words that he said elsewhere. It, it's clear that these are not entirely indicative of a completely changed heart. Uh, and so anyway, all that to say the big, the big point that I landed on is that God's grace is enough for, you know, the, the idolatrous sailors that turn their hearts to God in Mm. chapter one His his grace is big enough for evil Nineveh that turns and repents of their, of their evil ways in chapter three. And his grace is big enough for Jonah who, who calls out for help, even in his, jerkiness and idiocy, God saves him when he calls for help because God uh, will save all who call to him. Yeah. That was essentially the big idea. And then I had two sort of very specific takeaways, which I'm sure we'll get into, but that was the, that was the the big idea. So if that's what Jonah does, if he's in the belly of a whale or fish, <laughs> uh-huh. my, my first question is what would I do? <laughs> Probably die. <laughs> Being well, like, dissolved quickly if I, in hydrochloric acid. If I had a acid. good, like, I don't know, two minutes Uh to think about something. Getting this poetic is not like (laughs) even close to how I would behave. Um, But something that hit me 
as I'm watching your sermon and reading is, uh, this is, this is what it took for God to get Jonah's attention Mm. in the story. And so the next question after I said, what would I do if I was in, it wouldn't be like coming up with poems. The next question was, what does it take for God to get my attention sometimes? Mm. And I know for myself and I know for other people, um, it seems like I hear a lot of stories that are like, I'm at rock bottom and so I'll do anything and I'll pray to God and, you know, sure. But it's not like, as you said, it's not necessarily an active faith. It's just, you've got no other choice. And Mm. so anyways, that was, that was my question is how does, how does God normally get your attention Mm. in your own lives? If this is, if this is the extent to which he got Jonah's attention, what have you seen God do in your own life uh, to get yours? Well, I've, I've never been drowning in a, in the ocean and swallowed by a fish. Um, I do think there are those moments where even in just the last, even several years where it, things are just so overwhelming. There's just more to deal with than I could possibly handle on my own. Yeah. It's it, it. I mean, again, I, I said this in the message, but there's the imagery of drowning, the imagery of, of the floodwaters are up to my neck. It shows up in the Bible a lot. And I think it's because there are times in our life in this chaotic world where it really does feel like you are just drowning. You're the seaweeds wrapped around your head. Those are the moments where, uh, if I haven't been paying attention, that's when I turn my attention to God. Mm. Cause I re I see my own inadequacy for what it is. And I'm far more likely to, to respond with, okay, I need help. I need help. So that's not very specific, but those are the types of times. And even over the last several years, as we've gone through the pandemic, as grace has gone through major restructurings and challenges financially. And as you know, when, when I found myself very, very overwhelmed with the work that I'm doing and the weight of it all, like those are the moments that just Mm -hmm. inevitably I find myself saying, okay, hold up. I need to, Mm. I need to call out, cry out to God like Jonah does. So I think for me, he's gotten my attention with repetition. Sometimes, you know, a, a concept or an idea will just kind of keep coming up in a sermon or in a song or in a conversation or even just a thought that I might have, you know, that I didn't place there myself. He placed that thought there. But when when I'm thinking about your question, when do I know that he's gotten my attention or how has he gotten my attention? I think it's it's like that. It's like, hmm. This, this subject matter has come up every day for the last like yeah. three days or, or twice in one week or whatever it is. And then I'm like, oh, I need to pay attention to that. Yeah. You know, and then I get alone with God and ask him, what's that about? Why does that keep coming up? I wonder if Jonah was like scared of fish. What, from this <laughs> point on or just in no, general? Just in general. Because I promise you, if if that happened to me and I was thrown <laughs> overboard into dark waters, yeah, you're not a fan of the dark waters. If the fish got me, I'd be like, all right, you have my attention. All right. I get it. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder if like, if he was scared of fish, but um, I don't know. I kind of feel like for me, it, it, I'm thinking of something very specific. So like when I came back from, when I came back from sabbatical, I was like, all right, here's, here's the message I'm coming back with. It's like, go to the cross. Right. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I've talked about that on the show and, and different conversations. It's like, go to the cross, just fix your eyes on the cross. And I was like, man, I felt like I had spent that whole time on sabbatical, like trying to see if God, like, where was I paying attention and was God trying to get my attention and these things. I come back and almost get in uh, into, I get into a situation almost immediately. That's like one of the hardest moments of my life. Okay. Mm. And, um, that is ringing in my ears. The whole, like this whole last six months is like, I told you to go to the cross. So Mm -hmm. go to the cross. I told you to go to the cross. So go to the cross. And I thinking about that in, in light of this, I'm like, I don't know what the fish was for me, but like God certainly got my attention through, I don't know, the last five or six months, but mm. I felt prepared because I had been paying attention mm. yeah. prior to that. I don't know. Wow. Mm. Um, okay. You said there's dissonance in this Psalm. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about why you felt that way and tell us what you meant. Well, there's a couple 
things. And it's all, again, this is the genre being a, a parable. There's a lot of hints and ideas that are there for us to kind of mine for their little nuggets of wisdom or nuggets of insight. And so there are certain, and they're, they're kind of subtle and I don't, I wouldn't have noticed them without having done a bit of study on this, but things like, uh, he says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, right. Or in my distress. And that word cried out kara in, in Hebrew shows up a few different times in chapter one. It shows up as God telling him cry out against Nineveh, but he doesn't, uh, the, captain of the ship says, cry out to your God. Maybe he'll save us. You know, who yeah. knows? Maybe he'll save us. And, and, and Jonah doesn't at least doesn't, doesn't say yeah. that he does. Uh, the sailors, they all decide to cry out to Yahweh. They're crying out to God. But again, we don't see any indication that Jonah does. Everyone else is doing the proper crying out, but he doesn't. And so for him to say, I cried out to the Lord, I think it just is meant like, yeah, great. You finally did it but that almost brings to light all the ways that you haven't been uh, doing yeah. it. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. And then, mm. then there's the, uh, there's the, the fact that he's like belittling Gentiles and he says, mm. you know, those, those that worship false gods or that worship idols, like they turn their backs on God's mercy. Mm-hmm. So like, he's kind of taking this holier than thou attitude, at least in the context of the story. Yeah. Uh, again, standing alone, that's a, a perfectly good, true statement. I even get into that at the end of my yeah. message, but coming out of the mouth of Jonah moments after these idolatrous Gentiles who the sailor on the, the, on the boat, these sailors turn their face to God. They, they repent and they, they get rid of their idolatrous ways and turn to God and he shows them mercy. They're literally turning their face to God's mercy. Whereas Jonah throughout the whole book of Jonah consistently rejects God's mercy and, re- and he gets furious in chapter four that God would show grace at all towards the Ninevites. Like that seems to be his way of being. And here he is saying, yeah, all those, all those heathens out there just turning their backs on God's mercy because they worship idols. Dude, that's what you're doing. Mm. Like you don't worship idols. So pat yourself on the back for that, but you're turning your back on God's mercy over and over again. Mm -hmm. So that's another example. And there was one other, and I'm, I'm blanking on it right now, but that you get the idea. It's like throughout this Psalm, of Thanksgiving, having it come from the mouth of Jonah is just, it's dissonant because <coughs> you know who he is. Now, if chapters three and four were different, mm-hmm. if he were to come back to, to, to land and, and he was just, I get it now. I get the grace of God. I'm all about it. It would be a totally, I would feel very differently about this Psalm of Thanksgiving, but knowing that he literally after, mm-hmm. after Nineveh repents, he's sitting on a hillside telling God, I'm angry enough to die because I told you, this is why I ran away that you, that you might actually spare them because you're slow to anger and quick to forgive. I knew that was who you were. And that's why I didn't want to be here. So I'm angry enough. Just kill me now. Like, wow, that's his attitude yeah. after God saved yeah. him from death. God brought him here. So yeah, all that to say it's dissonant. It doesn't ring true to yeah. hear him saying these Psalms, this, this Psalm, even though the actual words in the Psalm are all true. Yeah. Were, were prophets ever fired from being prophets? Well, prophets were killed um, by people who didn't like what they had to say. Well, like it seems like, and there were also false prophets whose prophecies were proven to be wrong. I don't know. Did God ever say like, yeah, enough. (laughs) You you were supposed to do this. You didn't do this. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to go with someone else on this. Yeah. We're going to escort you to your car. Yeah. Thanks. But no, thanks. (laughs) I have not, off the top of my head, I can't think of any specific examples. Cause he that. seems like a perfect candidate to just be like, I thought you had it in you, but, uh, you're just not getting it, yeah. buddy. So yeah. you're out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if the author is trying to say, look at this, this is, this is dissonant mm-hmm. and this guy is still the anti-hero after all this. Um, you said the author's trying to say a couple things. One, that God's grace extends to not just the sailors and the nations, but a selfish, thoughtless jerk like Jonah. Jonah, yeah. And also God hears the voices of those who cry out to him and his grace is big enough for everyone. Um, yeah, and then you went into a couple takeaways for for yeah. us in 2022. Yeah. And you talked to, you made it kind of personal and- um saying, you know, this is convicting to me yes. a little bit. So talk, talk a little bit about that. Sure. So, and I, yeah, I definitely was feeling a bit convicted. I, this whole, you, you asked me last time or two times ago, why did we do Jonah? Yeah. And I was kind of like, I don't know. It I seemed know. like a good idea at the time. <laughs> yeah. Now I know 
that obviously God's spirit was, was heading mm-hmm. this way, not just because of what I've been convicted of, but mm-hmm. the number of people who've come up to me, even just this weekend to say, I need, I needed to hear that. I'm, that was for me yeah. or wow, this is really, really, I think what we need right now. I've heard so many people say that and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, <laughs> thank you, God, because yeah. this kind of was, it felt a bit more arbitrary, but now that we're digging into it, like I didn't expect this to be the takeaway from chapter two. I'll just say that I did not see this coming. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my takeaway as I thought about this is that, that idea that you just said of if, if God has grace and mercy, not just for the Gentiles, not just for the nations, but like for evil, not evil, maybe evil, thoughtless, heartless jerks like Jonah. If he has grace for him, I need to deal not just with his grace for Nineveh. I need Mm -hmm. to deal with his grace for Jonah. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of pointed out like one of the things that I'm wondering about myself, like, look, I, I have no problem with God sparing the Ninevites Mm -hmm. because I I can see that fitting in with the broader story of scripture where God is making a way for all nations to come back to himself through Christ. The Gentiles are welcomed into the fold in the book of acts. Like Mm -hmm. I can see it all coming. And so for him to forgive the Ninevites in this parable, I'm like, yeah, that is setting up the people of God to prepare their hearts for what God is going to do that nobody can really see coming, but man, it's coming. You can see it. And we've got hindsight. But do I, so I've got no problem with that, but I feel like I do kind of have a problem with God sparing Jonah. Mm -hmm. And I explained it this way. I said, look, I'm a Christian in 2022 and I am trying to love. I have attended church several times. (laughs) I have attended multiple times in my life. (laughs) I am a Christian in 2022, trying to love people well, trying to represent the gospel, trying to represent Jesus in my world. Mm -hmm. But there have been so many other Christians, so many other church leaders, so many other folks that have represented a posture of judgmentalism, Mm -hmm. a posture of hatred, a posture of exclusion and, and holier than thou attitudes towards those outside the church. And we see the wreckage of that all over the place. I see people, I, I encounter people a lot. I talk to people a lot who have been hurt at the, at the, hands of Christians because they have been judged or excluded or Mm -hmm. what, or whatever condemned, uh, and not loved. And so, and people will reject Christianity. They'll reject Jesus because of the way that some of his followers have acted. Mm -hmm. And when I see Jonah's heart of judgmentalism and this holier than thou attitude and his condemnation of others, belittling the Gentiles, like all, all it does is ring those same sort of credibility gap like alarm bells Mm -hmm. that I'm dealing with in my world today. And so I'm frustrated. It probably may be overstating it to say it that way, but like I'm, it doesn't sit well with me that God would so clearly save him because he doesn't Mm -hmm. repent. He doesn't Mm -hmm. get like Mm -hmm. Jonah doesn't get it (laughs) by the end of the book. (laughs) We don't see a big change of heart. Yeah. And yet God does spare him from death and mm-hmm. does continue to give him his calling. And I'm wrestling with that mm-hmm. because man, his grace is big enough for every single one, including Jonah. Am I, do I have grace for Jonah mm-hmm. or do I have condemnation for Jonah? It's this like Russian doll of, mm-hmm. of grace and condemnation. It's like, it, it's, do I have grace for the person who doesn't have grace for the people who need grace? <laughs> it's like, whoa. So that, that that's kind of where I was going with it. Do I have grace? For Jonah. Uh, that was my question. Yeah. Mm. And, and, oh, and my takeaway, my suggestion was that whether we have a problem with God sparing the Ninevites, like Jonah did, or whether we have a problem with God sparing Jonah, like I do, our call is to expand mm. the horizons of our grace. Yeah. And that's what this <clears throat> book is leading us to. And leading you, me to. you said Nineveh is like Assyria. Yeah. Like they're the big bad of that. That's right. Time. So it would be interesting to talk to, I don't know, whoever was on the receiving end of Nineveh mm-hmm. being the big bad. The brutality. But yeah. I, it would be interested, I would be interested to like hear how they would receive the, that, you know, like they probably aren't cool with God sparing the Ninevites, you know, right. because they're like, we've been persecuted by the Ninevites mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. So mm-hmm. that's not cool that God would spare them. So that's their version of that. Well, in, in just a quick little world behind the text, we don't know when this was written. Some yeah. believe that, yeah, no, Jonah wrote this himself. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. In which case, this all would have happened before the Assyrian invasion of Israel. Mm-hmm. But 
there's a lot of good evidence that this is actually a bit of a later story that mm. kind of was, was being used as a way to teach the people of God after the exile, which means yeah. that if you were, you were uh, from the Northern kingdom of Israel, your, your ancestors were, your family would have been, or you, and your land would have been wiped out by the Assyrians. Yeah. Or if you were from Judah, the Southern kingdom of Israel, the Assyrians got all the way to the gates of Jerusalem. They swept down and had invaded all like, the entire nation and it was within like, like uh, a tiny little fraction of time. It was just, it was only because of the grace of God that Jerusalem was not completely destroyed by the Assyrians. And eventually it was by the Babylonians, but all that to say, no matter when this came out, if it came out mm-hmm. later, you would have had some, it would have been a little bit jarring to see the Assyrians or the Ninevites receiving yeah. grace. Yeah. And you think about that, like the person the person who I am somebody who, uh, if there's a question of justice, I always, I usually tend toward the underdog or the, mm-hmm. the person on the receiving end of injustice. So thinking of like all the things and people throughout history, if they hear the message of God would spare their oppressor mm-hmm. or whatever, that makes me, and I'm sure it makes them very uncomfortable yeah. hearing that message. But at the same time, I also see what you're saying because I, I agree that like, yeah, we want God to spare the Gentiles or whatever. we like, we, we want that. We don't want the zealous self-righteous people spared because they are ruining the cause, you know? Right. So basically what I'm saying is nobody should be spared. well and that like we're just now entering we're entering into the the biblical wrestling match between grace and and judgment yeah like the whole beginning of the story is go to Nineveh and tell them I'm going to destroy them for how wicked they they are and and knowing the context and knowing the echoes of Sodom and Gomorrah that that are in this story Mm -hmm. It is, it is wickedness that includes oppression and injustice and violence violence and, and yeah. So it's, it's not just like immorality. It's like, it's, they, they're breaking the world. And so God's going to judge them, but when they repent, Mm. he has grace. Mm -hmm. And it's this constant tension between a God who makes things right and who, who will hold people accountable. Pharaoh after, you know, oppressing the Israelites, he drowns in the Red Sea with his army because he has refused to mm-hmm. repent, refused to turn to soften his heart. And so he is destroyed in his own chaos. And yet here the Ninevites do repent and God spares them. And it's yeah. this, con- it's like, how do you, how do you make sense of that? And I mean, the answer is Christ on a cross. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is so baffling and so scandalous, but that's, that's the invitation of what we are being called into a God who makes things right. And a God who has bottomless grace. Mm. It's, it's, it is a tension. Yeah. It always is. Why do you think it's so easy for us to like, it kind of feels like we're looking around to be like, I'm better than that guy. (laughs) You should not spare hint. Like I'm better than that. Like mm. it, cause it kind of feels like that's what Jonah's doing. Mm. He's like, I'm better than them. Like they should not be spared. Right. But I feel like that's, he, that's, we all do that. It's like, I'm better than so-and-so and I'm more deserving of grace or something. Right. I feel like that's very, that's a common thing. Is that human nature or is, is that not a common thing? Maren's looking at me like that's not a common thing. No, no, you no. I'm not looking at you like that. <laughs> I, I said a couple weeks ago that this was going to be a really challenging series and mm-hmm. it has been really challenging yeah. and we're only in week two. Yeah. Um, I, I've always to some degree sympathized with Jonah because this was a calling placed on him that he didn't choose. Mm-hmm. And the people he was being sent to were vile and wicked I wonder if I were Jonah, I've always kind of identified with Jonah in some ways. Hmm. Um, it's kind of funny. My kids and my husband were, I was sitting in the front cause I was hosting and they were sitting off to the side at the 11 o'clock. And when hmm. you started reading through this poem, everyone in my family just started looking at me 
Because way Why? back in the day, I wrote a song from this oh, chapter, from chapter two. Let's sing it. That's not, but <laughs> <laughs> Jaden especially like would know every word. And sure. I just texted them from the front row. See what I did there? Because I just basically <laughs> plagiarized this entire chapter. Nice. Um, but it's because I've always identified with Jonah having a destiny that I didn't choose for myself, mm. having a calling that I didn't choose for myself. Yeah. If I were Jonah and I brought this word of warning, judge, God's judgment is coming upon you unless you repent. I don't know how I would feel the moment they repented. I, I think I'd probably be skeptical. Like you were just filleting people moments ago. Sure. And now you're repenting. Are you, are you really sorry? Are you sorry? Yeah. Sorry. Are you you're really not sorry change? the way I want you to be sorry? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I do wonder it, yeah. where would my heart be if I were Jonah? And I wonder if that is why God had so much grace for Jonah. Maybe God understood, look, man, I'm asking you to do a really, really hard thing. Hmm. I'm asking you to do a really, really hard thing, <laughs> you know, and that he was so patient and long suffering with Jonah because yeah, this defies all conventional logic. They're sure. wicked people. They should be punished. We are humans and that is how we think. And yeah. he is God and we are not. And his kingdom is upside down. I think he gets how hard it is for us to understand this. Yeah. So I don't know. I've always just read it from, from that perspective. That's so interesting. I, again, that I, this is, I think we're both coming at it from very different backgrounds. I have not felt compassion for Jonah, but what you're saying right now about the calling that he didn't choose, that's really difficult. Like, oh, you're right. <laughs> like, <laughs> of course. And of course that's tough and so, but then I like think about what he says about why he says no to the calling. And I'm like, mm. yeah, but like your heart is not in the right place. And you know, they, they start repenting, but like you said, you know, he, he's waiting to see, like, did it take, is yes. it real? He gets, he goes up on the hillside, sits there for presumably 40 days. Cause that's what he said it would, when it would happen just to see yeah. if God was really going to follow through though, with that, with that whole destruction, mm -hmm. if he was going to be able to witness the destruction of Sodom Gomorrah in his own time, like that's, mm -hmm. I think what he was waiting for. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I don't know. It's so complicated. And I, I still wrestle with my own heart towards, towards him, but regardless, God's grace yes. <laughs> is there and it's big enough for him. And and to bring it back to my own world, I can feel as frustrated as I want that there are other Christians out there uh, who are, I would say, spreading the credibility gap, mm -hmm. who are making it worse through their actions and their judgmentalism and all that stuff. It still does not give me the right to judge them in return and to, to heap condemnation on them and to despise the fact that God has grace for them as well. Yeah. Which again- what about the God of justice? Like what about the people who aren't going to hear the message because of them? Like there will be an accounting of all of that. Well, doesn't he have grace for them if they repent? Hmm. That is a great question. I mean, yes. He didn't just have grace on Nineveh. Right. Nineveh responded in obedience and repented and mm -hmm. therefore he had grace. Mm -hmm. This is how I have been wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. But he had grace on Jonah who didn't. I guess technically he didn't try to run away a, a second time. He did go to Nineveh, <laughs> right. but God had grace with him before that happened. By not so. killing him. Yeah. Right. Isn't yeah. that what we said? Like God's grace was that he, instead of dying, he ended up in a fish. Yeah. And he was, he gave him a second chance to turn and do the right thing. Yeah. But he didn't, didn't the, didn't the fish force him to Nineveh? Didn't God Didn't force the where. fish to vomit him up and <laughs> yeah. send him back? Just, all it says is it vomits You're him up today. on the shore. Oh doesn't say gosh. where. <laughs> so no matter what, he still would have had to get on his camel or, or tie up yeah. his sandals and walk and, to, go, and go to Nineveh. There. Yeah. So, but yeah, you're right. It, I mean, in the sequence of events, grace is the response to repentance. Mm -hmm. And I, and that maybe gets to the second takeaway. Yeah. I, I, I kind of wanted to just take a step back from Jonah himself and look at the words of this Psalm of Thanksgiving. Cause it really, I think it beautifully encapsulates. Like I was, I was sinking to the roots of the mountain. I was trapped, you know, in the land of death where mm -hmm. there, there is no escape. And yet God 
snatched me from the jaws of death. Like I love that, that imagery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's in the version that you used when you wrote the song, but that's a really powerful. Yeah. Word for word. Really? But it was all new King James. New <laughs> King James. <laughs> of course it was. You're not even going to. Yeah. Yeah. But that's new King James. There you go. <laughs> um, and, and I think what I, what I tried to get across as I was thinking about that is, is like thinking about God's grace for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked about the whole, concept of idolatry and how we worship these false gods. And it's, I was just describing, I was describing sin and its consequences and it, and it, the self-destructive path that we go on when we live for ourselves instead of, you know, trusting what God has for us, et cetera. And then I described repentance and I did it the way that my dad always did it. He, he had done this, I don't know, dozens of times in sermons over the years where repentance is you're walking in one direction, you stop, you turn around, and you start walking the yeah. other direction. And I think for me, the, the, the thing that is important in this whole conversation of grace is the idea that like there, you do have to stop and start and turn around. It's just that when you turn around, God's already right there. Like mm. he's there, he's waiting mm-hmm. for you. And that's the, that's the miracle of what Christ accomplished. Like the, the gates of death are already destroyed. You simply have to walk. And, or you, you don't even have to walk. He will pull you out Mm -hmm. of the grave. You just have to grab his hand, Mm -hmm. turn around. It's there. It's waiting for you. So there is an act of repentance that leads to salvation. And so, yeah, in the, in the logic of that, but it's just that it's not a, you don't have to go and do a bunch of work. You don't have to go and like earn it. You don't have to say all the right things. You simply have to turn around, Mm -hmm. like turn your face to God's mercy and it's there. That's, that's what I was getting across. And so I, I, I think that's important in the context of all of this, the idea that you're right, repentance is necessary, but God offers grace to everyone, even those who don't repent. The offer is there. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes I feel like, yeah, but they don't deserve even the offer of grace Mm. because of what they've done or whatever. That's sometimes maybe where I, I go in my heart. Mm -hmm. So. There's, I think I'll talk about this at Easter and I'm, I apologize if I've talked about this here already, but uh, I read a really interesting book that was looking at the different, um, artistic depictions of the resurrection. Did I talk about this at all? I think you've I did. Read, you've mentioned I it. I think I mentioned yeah. it before. I, it bears repeating in this context, because I think with this Psalm of Thanksgiving talking about being snatched from the jaws of death and every, there's a, a sort of a distinction between the sort of Western Roman Catholic churches, depictions of the resurrection and the Eastern Eastern Orthodox, uh, depictions of the resurrection in the Western, which is much more like, like based on Platonism and all that. And the dichotomy between heaven and earth, uh, it's much more of a depiction of like the, the risen Jesus is sort of hovering over the tomb and he's just kind of this angelic figure, almost yeah. barely even a part of this world anymore as he's ascending into heaven. But the Eastern Orthodox depictions are far more they're visceral. Like you see Jesus like stamping down onto the broken shattered gates of, of Hades, sometimes even stepping on the Greek God of Hades himself. It's so, it's interesting because we don't think of Hades as a God. We think of this, you know, Satan place. or Satan yeah. or the place of Hades, yeah. but like sometimes Satan and Hades will both be in there and he's, he's stamping down on both of them, but he's like trampling on them. He's, he's, stepping all over the broken shattered gates and locking mm-hmm. mechanisms and stuff of, of Hades. And in a lot of these depictions, he is pulling the sort of limp wristed arm of Adam, sometimes with Eve along with him out of the grave. He's pulling humanity out of the grave with him, which is such a, like they're not doing anything. They're, they're being pulled from death, which is just such an interesting uh, depiction because we Be don't think of God. It, we think of it like the Jesus hovering over the, over the, you know, hovering over earth and we have to like go to him, but, yeah. but the Eastern Orthodox, they have, they see it more as Jesus is, is doing the working. He's mm-hmm. the one pulling us up and shattering the gates of death and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. anyway, I just find that so interesting. And I think, I think I'll bring that up in the Easter series. Cause we're going to get into what resurrection we're going to talk about resurrection, duh, but we're going to talk about it pretty in depth for our Easter series. And I think mm-hmm. that'll be an interesting thing to talk about, but anyway, God's grace is a, I mean, there's no, it's no, uh, surprise that the apostle Paul waxes quite poetic about the grace of God. He goes on and on and on and on about it because it is such a profound mystery. Hmm. 
So where do we go next? What are we doing the rest of the, our time in Jonah? Well, chapter three is the, is the chapter where Nineveh repents and Tim is going to bring us that message this weekend. So, um, I don't exactly know where he's going with that. Um, I don't, I don't know what his takeaway is going to be. That'll be interesting. And then I'll come back to finish us up with the much uh, previewed chapter four, which I think will be really, really interesting. And especially in the time that we're living in right now, time of division and hatred, xenophobia of Mm -hmm. of all kinds. I think chapter four could be a pretty significant sort of exclamation point on the series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Anything else for Jonah Teal? (laughs) (laughs) yes a lot a lot i again i am settle down i'm just so challenged and i knew that i would be (laughs) soon as i heard we were doing jonah i was like oh no this is gonna be tough for me um i'm having a hard time knowing if i am jonah or like like i think last week you asked us to think about who our nineveh is or what is our nineveh what are we unwilling to and so that's the kind of thing that i've been Wrestling, 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 wrestling with. I've kind of so. always seen you as the fish. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, no, Barry, this is a really good series. It's super thought provoking. I've had a lot of good conversation already with my family um, around what we're learning here. And um, <laughs> I looked over at Desi at one point during your message at 11 o'clock, she was leaning forward in her seat, both elbows on her knees, chin on her fist, like, like totally paying attention dialed in oh, that's totally cool. dialed in. Like, again, we've had some really good conversations. Wow. Um, so thank you. Thank you for yeah. this. I, uh, I have a little idea of where Tim is taking the message next week, just cause we already talked about it and I'm already feeling challenged. Oh, by no. that <laughs> is it about putting pray. sackcloth on your animals? Just pray for me. Yeah, this is a, this is a tough one. It's a challenging one for me. Although I learned this week, sorry. No, I learned then. that there actually is, some precedent in Persia, not Assyria, but in Persia of animals sharing in mourning with uh, people. They would actually clad them in something like clothing, black clothing or sackcloth or whatever in mm. times of morning, morning. So it's not completely unheard of. Okay. Rabbits and camels? Rabbits and camels <laughs> in mourning. I don't know how that works, but for now, Marin, will you uh, <laughs> please send us out? I sure will. Do justly love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday.